You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. I'm thankful for a woman who didn't give up, but persisted in helping Jesus and his disciples see her need beyond their culturally conditioned prejudice. In that moment, she was teacher of the teacher. This is Herb Montgomery, and I want to welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. This is episode 358, and our title this week is Learning to Listen. In Matthew's Gospel, we read, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. That's Matthew 7, verse 6. Now, dogs and pigs are both scavengers that the Hebrews considered to be unclean. And you may have heard that that Jews called any non-Jew a dog, but this is not correct. According to the IVP background commentary of the New Testament, Jewish people reserve the slurs of, of dogs and pigs only for Gentile foreigners who oppressed the Jewish people. There was an oppressive nature to it, a a response to, to injustice in that kind of language. And I believe that Jesus is teaching in this passage. It critiques how Rome was being permitted to co-opt the sacred and valuable Jewish temple in the name of the empire. Yet yet I also believe that there's something deeper here as well. Throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been speaking of inward realities of objectifying women in one's heart and, and hatred towards one's enemies in one's heart, as well as uh, outward uh, realities too. But, but there's an inward focus here. So in this passage, Jesus may be speaking about the ways that oppressed and disinherited people can allow the sacred and valuable space inside them to be used by their oppressors too. There's another passage in Matthew that includes this same kind of language. And this is Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Some of you will be familiar with this story. It reads, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, It is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. In Matthew 15, 21 through 28, in this story... 
Jesus has retreated to the two ancient uh, Phoenician cities of, of Tyre and Sidon for respite. And, and while there, he was met by a woman described as a Syrophoenician, a Greek born in, in Syrian Phoenicia. You can find that in Mark 7, 26. And, and it's the Syro part that the gospel authors, I think, desire to emphasize. This woman, being from Syria, would have been of Seleucid descent. Syria was the name that Rome used for the Seleucid Empire. And, and this matters because these were the ancient oppressors of the Jewish people before Rome. Remember, these kinds of slurs were, res were reserved for uh, their oppressors. And under the influence of Antiochus Epiphanes, the Seleucids had sought to exterminate the Jewish people. And although Seleucids and Hebrews now shared the same fate under Rome, they, they had once conquered and occupied the Hebrew people. Jesus' exchange with this woman happens when this was not yet distant history for the Jewish people. This encounter I think is set up to prick readers' sense of justice. Jesus emerged within Jewish society and taught the liberation of the oppressed. But here was someone outside of Jewish society who was at least associated with Gentile oppressors, who is asking him to liberate her daughter too. And what we're encountering in this story today, I think would be called, at least today, intersectionality. Intersectionality is the way of, of describing the relationships between systems of oppression, systems of domination or, or discrimination. And the model, uh, first developed by uh, Kimberly Crenshaw, it describes oppression as an interlocking matrix and helps us examine how biological, social, and cultural categories such as gender and race and class, ability, sexual orientation, religion, caste, uh, and others, how they create these axes of identity that are interacting on multiple and often simultaneous levels to contribute to, to systemic injustice and social inequity. The, the, the woman in this story lived in multiple social locations at the same time. And that's that, that those locations not only intersected in her own oppression, but also connected her to the oppression of uh, Jewish people. Using the language of, of Matthew 7, Jesus questions her, is it right to give the children's bread to the dogs? And I've heard this explained in two ways. One explanation is that Jesus is merely play-acting here to teach the, the onlooking disciples an important lesson in generosity. The other explanation, which I think is more plausible and more valuable, is that Jesus himself is growing here in his own understanding and experience of intersectionality, although they wouldn't have called it that back then. This woman 
remember, belonged to a group who had oppressed the Jewish people. Yes, that's true. Uh, There is absolutely no indication, though, that she felt this way herself towards the Jewish people. And she was also a woman in a patriarchal context. Uh, Where's her husband? Why is her husband or or her father not making this request of Jesus, as another father does in Mark 5.22? In a patriarchal world, uh, what does it mean for this woman to be speaking for herself and her daughter as if she were a single mother. And Jesus asks out loud, is it right to help her? Intersectionality teaches us that every person can live in multiple social locations given the diversity of their identity. And just as the Seleucids had once sought to exterminate the Hebrews, the ancient Hebrews had once engaged in the genocide and colonization of the Canaanites, remember. The Hebrews also participated in cultural patriarchy, similar to that in Hellenistic Tyre and Sidon. And though by Jesus' time they suffered economic poverty under Rome's high taxes, Hebrews had also oppressed the poor with their own kings. You can find this in Amos 2.6, Amos 5.7, Amos 5.11, and Amos 5.24. So yes, this Seleucid woman, she belonged to a people who had historically oppressed the Hebrews, but that day she too needed liberation. Was there enough mercy in Jesus's merciful theism for her as well? In this story, Jesus's compassion wins out. But we must not fail to see at the same time the depth of Jesus's own struggle between genuinely questioning what was right and allowing his questions to give way not to rightness, but to compassion itself. Compassion was ultimately the right choice. And Jesus may not have arrived at that choice if he had not first chosen to allow compassion to govern his reasoning. Mark 7, 28, remember she she asked, Lord, or she replied rather, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. I'm thankful for a woman who didn't give up, but persisted in helping Jesus and his disciples see her need beyond their culturally conditioned prejudice. In that moment, she was teacher of the teacher. And I'm thankful for a Jesus who, who took time to listen. Had Jesus sent her away, one could have argued that he, he did the right thing maybe, yet a great injustice would have been committed. And therefore it would have been wrong, no matter how right someone may argue it was. But he listened to her and he entered into a fuller experience of even his own ethical teachings that day. Thanks to this woman, Henry David Thoreau wrote, could a greater miracle take place? than for us to look through each other's eyes for an instant. I can't fault Jesus for asking the question he asked. He faced the same dilemma that we all face when navigating the social realities of our, each of our identities. I'm thankful to see, though, this side of Jesus. I'm thankful for this woman who helped Jesus answer his own question with compassion and and justice. And Jesus and his disciples, I believe, left the region of Tyre and Sidon that day with a fuller experience of the truth that there really are no dogs, there are no pigs, 
their only children. We're all siblings of the same divine parent. We all walk this earth side by side. And as the proverb states, before each person, there goes an angel announcing, behold, the image of God. Jesus models in this story, listening to those who belong to oppressed communities and going deeper through that listening. And I believe that those who follow Jesus today can and must do the same. Heart group application this week, we are at Renewed Heart Ministry. We are continuing uh, to ask all of our heart groups not to meet together physically at this time, find a way to virtually connect with one another. Zoom is a great option, Um, but but remember, we want to uh, support that physical distancing right now. When you go out, remember to please keep a six-foot distance between you and others, wear a mask, continue to wash your hands. Uh, The the vaccine is being distributed, but we're not there yet, so keep up your vigilance against uh, COVID-19. This is also a time, remember, where we can practice the resource sharing and the mutual aid that's found in the Gospels. Make sure that others in your group have what they need and prioritize protecting those that are most vulnerable within your group. So number one this week, when you meet together virtually, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, how can we follow the example of, of Jesus's change in this story? When he, when we encounter uh, new information, when we encounter new perspectives or or different experiences other than our own, and then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today. Right where you are, keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.